Hello, welcome to Girl Scouts of Western Ohio's Be Prepared podcast. I'm Jennifer Parker, Troop Support Manager from the Central Region, and I'm excited to be hosting our seventh episode on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging with a co-host this month, Julia Koenig, a program manager in the North Region, who you'll hear from in part two of our DEIB podcast. Our two guests this month are Maria Arcocha-White and Patrice Borders. They both have had connections to Girl Scouts since they were girl members themselves. Each owns their own business, and both are members of the Girl Scouts of Western Ohio's board. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is a broad topic, and both of our guests offer their own unique perspectives that deserve to be highlighted each on their own. So this month, we'll be having a part one and part two of our podcast episode. So joining me for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Part 1 is Maria Arcocha-White. Welcome, Maria. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Of course. Thanks, Jennifer. Uh, Hi, everybody. Um, My full name is Maria Arcocha-White. I am the founder and the CEO of Inclusity. And uh, we are an organization that actually specializes in creating inclusive and diverse cultures. Uh, We believe that uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are extremely important to making sure that people can bring their authentic selves to work and also can be as productive as possible whenever they get to work. Thanks, Maria. We're so excited you were able to join us today. So March serves as Women's History Month honoring leaders, activists, and role models, both past and present. So in honor of Women's History Month, who is one of your female role models? Well, um, I actually, I'll have to go back to who my female role model was uh, because it's my mother um, and she is no longer with us. Uh, She was an amazing woman. Uh, I'm a Cuban immigrant. So my mom was born and raised in Havana, Cuba. And then when Fidel Castro uh, came and uh, the revolution occurred, she had to uh, take her family and lead us into moving to the United States. Um, She actually was the person who recognized early on when uh, Fidel Castro closed all the churches that she was going to lose her freedom of religion. And that was so important to her that she convinced my father that we needed to plan to leave. So um, she came to this country with nothing except for three kids and one on the way. She ended up getting, yeah, I know, amazing. She ended up getting a master's degree and a PhD. She was a high school Spanish teacher. She also um, golf, uh, she coached the golf team at the men's golf team. At, at the high school that won a national, uh, won a uh, statewide championship. Uh, she was, again, the only female coach of a male team. And this was back in the 1970s, right? Um, and eventually started a real estate career in, in addition to that. And was just a really amazing person. I think she taught me that you can dream and be anything you want to be. And that there were a lot of challenges for her and a lot of things that got in the way. And she just kept on going and um, was just, she was an amazing person. So she has always been and probably will always be my role model. Yeah, she was. She was.
Sure. Um, and actually, that's a great question because a lot of people have some confusion over that. So um, each of those words has a place in the work we're doing. So I, I will tell you how we define it here at, at Inclusity. So diversity really means all of the individual differences that people have. We believe that every single human is diverse um, because no two human beings are exactly alike. So diversity describes all of those differences and all the, the humans on the planet. Um, when we get to equity, and sometimes people say equity and equality because they're actually a little bit different. You know, equity is making sure that um, people are treated the same when it is appropriate to treat them the same. So for example, men and women should be paid equally for the same job. Uh, that's a great example of where equity is important or, um, uh, you know, if you go to a, something social that um, the law should be applied equally to all people, regardless of their race or gender or socioeconomic status. Um, when you get to equality, that's a little bit different, if you will. Um, and, um, and so we often talk about that as well. Um, and then inclusion is also different because what we, what we say is diversity is an act I'm sorry, diversity is a fact, okay. but inclusion is an act. Good. Diversity just is, but inclusion means that you have to do something for people to be able to feel a certain way. So um, it, it, inclusion has to be intentional. Uh, people, just because of the way our brains are wired, we tend to unintentionally exclude and so just by design, we tend to gravitate towards people who are like us, um, the people that we are raised around, uh, the people that share things in common with us, the people that think the same way we do. And so if you want to be inclusive of differences, you have to go outside your comfort zone and you have to actually do something um, so that you can learn about others and you can um, learn how those others want to be treated and want to be in relationship um, and then once you do that, you will establish a sense of belonging. And I like to say that inclusion repeated over time and time and time creates a sense of belonging in people, which means that, you know, it's pretty obvious, I guess, but it just means that um, the place is somewhere where you feel like you belong, where you can be yourself, where you're valued, where you want to go. Um, and when you feel a sense of belonging, it means that you can't wait to get there. Hopefully the girls uh, that are part of Girl Scouts can't wait to get to their meeting. Um, and if they feel that way, then you know that they feel a sense of belonging. So that's kind of how we define it. That's great. I never even thought about it that way either. Diversity is fact. And then I like yeah. that the inclusion is act. That makes exactly. a lot of sense. Yeah. So why do you think it's important for our volunteers to have a base knowledge of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Well, I just, first of all, I feel that the Girl Scout organization from the very time that it was founded has always been about these four things. Um, in fact, I think Girl Scouts in a lot of ways was way ahead of its time um, because they recognized that girls weren't always included, that girls all, didn't always have a sense of belonging and that girls weren't always treated equally um, with boys, that boys had advantages that girls didn't have um, and that their diversity wasn't valued. And so, so what I believe is that our volunteers need to understand these concepts 
and why they're so important to the foundation of the culture of Girl Scouts. Because, you know, as a volunteer, and by the way, I, I don't, I probably should have said this when I introduced myself, but I was a Girl Scout when I was little. And as an immigrant who didn't speak English right away, Girl Scouts was the first place where I felt like I belonged as a little girl. And then uh, when I became a mother, and then my first two children were girls. They signed up for Girl Scouts and I signed up to be their leader. And so I did that for several years. And then when I joined the diversity world and started working in it, um, Girl Scouts of Western Ohio, which was at the, that time uh, different, um, it, was, it was actually split out different. They became one of my clients and I worked with the Girl Scouts for uh, many years as uh, in helping them around diversity. Uh, and now here I am on the board. So it's just gone full circle. So Girl Scouts is extremely important to me. So when I talk from a sense of a volunteer, it's of having been a volunteer, as um, having been a Girl Scout leader, that, um, you know, those every girl is different. Every girl is unique and every girl has different needs and every girl will, will need something different to feel like they belong. They'll need to be valued as a unique individual. So for me, being a volunteer, it's a really serious. You have an enormous uh, opportunity to be a positive role model and a positive influence in the lives of these girls. They may always remember you. I remember, not only do I remember one of my Girl Scout leaders, I married her son. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. So, um, so as it, it, to me, um, volunteers are very special. It means something important that you are willing to give of yourself in this way. And I think that having a base knowledge of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is just going to help you be better at what you're already doing really well. I like how you connect it back to the legacy of Girl Scouts. Like it's, it's always been an yeah. inclusive organization and we're just helping them understand it a little bit more. So. Yeah, I love this organization. In fact, it's kind of funny. So last night I spent three hours putting together over 20 boxes of Girl Scout cookies that I send to my team at Inclusity every year. Oh. And in fact, it's so funny that we were just on an all team call. And one of the people said, isn't it time for us to get our Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> I was like, as a matter of fact, they just got dropped off on Saturday. So, um, so yeah, so I'm a huge believer in everything Girl Scout. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it, I, um, I'm very, very um, deliberate with my time and where I put my time and effort. And I was very deliberate about choosing to be on this particular board, because this organization means a lot to me. Well, we're glad to have you. <laughs> Um, so what is the most impactful diversity program that you've worked on professionally? Obviously your company is called inclusivity. So maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. Inclus inclusity, inclusivity it is. Sorry. Um, actually that this was, um, in fact, I tell people when people ask me, what's your greatest achievement in life? I always say it's my four children and three of them are humans. Um, so my three adult children, obviously two girls and a boy. Um, but then when I was 54 years old, um, Inclusity was born. And we've been at this now for 10 years. And um, absolutely, I believe that the that the programs that we deliver and that the work we do is life-changing for people. And so I do think it's the most meaningful diversity and inclusion program I've ever worked on. So what programs do you kind of offer then? 
Oh gosh, you name it, Jennifer. I mean, it's anything from a one to two hour presentation about um, workplace culture and how diversity inclusion has grown over the years to gender differences. Mm -hmm. So, um, so brain differences, some scientific types of things that we've learned about the brains of men and women to racial justice workshops that are um, three days long and very intensive to change culture change agent training that can be nine to 12 days of um, folks getting a deep dive into their own biases, their culture, and how to change culture to make it more inclusive. So we do, I mean, there's so many offerings that we have and things that we've created uh, because every time we get a new client and says they need something unique, we will create something for them. And so that ends up being being a lot of different things. But what I believe is most important is for people to really have an understanding. I think people need to understand inclusion and diversity, not only in their heads, but also in their hearts. And, um, and so we do a, the training that we do really gets people into their hearts and really helps them to gain empathy for people who are different. Um, a lot of our work, very frankly, over the last three years has been related to race because uh, after George Floyd was murdered, that became a, that became a huge wake up call, I think, for a lot of folks in this country who really thought that racial issues didn't exist anymore because we'd had a black president. So how far did we have to go? And I think that the um, the George Floyd um, tragedy. I believe that that woke a lot of people up and made them realize just how much more work we have to do on racial equity. So those programs that we've been working on over the last three years they make me so, they make me feel so hopeful. You know, I've been doing this kind of work in one form or another since 1987. And for all that time, I have not seen much progress made around race and racial equity. And for the first time in the last couple of years, I've actually seen real true change occur in terms of people understanding their own biases, being willing to talk about their biases, being committed to managing their biases, um, not, not focusing on the guilt and the shame and instead focusing on what do we need to do to actually build equity in our organizations and our communities, um, et cetera. So I would say that, that that probably has been the most meaningful work I've done in my entire career. That is wonderful. And I think it's very, very important. So how do we acknowledge diversity within our troops? So first of all, you have to figure out what it is, right? Uh, because a lot of diversity isn't visible. Uh, and so what you need to do is you need to talk to the girls. We have an exercise that we do um, with our model that's called the elements of individuality. Um, and it just really showcases a whole bunch of differences um, from the biological differences, we call them innate, things you're born with, to the more learned things that um, you kind of develop and pick up along the way as you grow up. And then to the organizational, which um, has everything to do with, you know, functions and levels and projects and things like that. Um, so I think it's important to have conversations with the girls to find out how they define themselves and to find out what matters to them and what's important to them and what they care about. And then 
when you know what it is, then it's so easy to speak to it, to program to it, to um, utilize the strength and the differences that the girls bring um, so that at times they can take leadership. Uh, I know that's one of the models around Girl Scouts is to make sure that they, that the girls feel like they are, they're, they're involved in leadership. And so when you find out what the different strengths are that the girls have and what their passions are, making sure that they, um, they get to utilize those passions and they get to, they get to demonstrate leadership. I think you I think that's the best possible way to acknowledge diversity and to value individual girls. I like how you showed the bigger picture too, like with your it was the elemental uh, elements I, of individuality. Yes, yeah. That exercise yeah. where you start like internally and you look kind of externally and then in your community yeah. and how those all affect um how you are unique. Yeah. So implicit bias, as a caregiver and instructor for these young girls, how do we work through our implicit bias and teach girls to do the same through example? And can you kind of explain what implicit bias means maybe too? Yes. Yes, because I would actually tell you that I think that this is the most important question that any leader can ask themselves. And this is the most important thing that anyone can do to, um, to move towards equity and equality and inclusion. So first of all, implicit bias. So the easiest way to understand this is that our brains are literally magical, mysterious machines. They are processing data at a rate that is so fast that it's literally faster than a blink. And so what we don't understand is that only a very little amount of data comes to our conscious brain that the majority of what we are taking in all the time is either unconscious or subconscious. And because human beings have evolved for so long and have had to face so many um, uh, dangers, if you will, what we've done is we have developed these amazing ways to protect ourselves from danger. And so what ends up happening is when we perceive something as different, our brains automatically associate it with danger because we're comfortable, right, with similarity, but difference could potentially mean danger. And uh, and literally there, there's this wonderful video that we show that's like two minutes long, and it shows how when, you know, we were back in the caveman era kind of thing, that that folks then had to decide within milliseconds whether that thing running towards me was a member of my tribe, was a member of an opposing tribe, or whether it was a tiger that was coming to eat me, or whether it was something I could kill to eat. And so the brain became very sophisticated in terms of protecting us and creating bias. And all bias, bias and prejudice, by the way, are the same word. It just literally means to prejudge or to determine, um, make a make a judgment about something prior to actually having information and experience with it. So all, a bias can be as simple as learning that a red stove means it's hot. And because your brain perceives that stove is hot, you don't touch it, okay? So some biases are very good and they keep us alive. And then there are other biases about people in particular that get in our way. 
that cause us to perceive danger where it doesn't exist and to keep us away from people who are actually wonderful and could be we could have wonderful relationships with. So a lot of times, because these biases are in our sub and unconscious, a lot of people don't even believe that they have them. But what we know to be true, just based on science and what we've worked through is everybody has bias. We all have it. We don't need to feel guilty or ashamed to have it because it's normal and human. And in fact, if the only way not to have bias is for your brain not to be working. So the, your choices are be biased and be alive or be not biased and be brain dead or dead. So bias is a good thing yeah. because it means you're alive, right? Mm -hmm. The downside here is that if you don't manage your bias, if you don't know what it is, you can't manage it. And if you don't manage it, then you will discriminate. And basically discrimination means that you will treat people differently in one way or another. Well, the reason why these caregivers and instructors for young girls need to understand their implicit bias, because if you don't know what it is, you won't manage it. And what'll happen is you'll end up treating different girls differently and they will notice and they will feel it and they will not feel included. So for example, and this I know is very minor, but somehow or another, if you were told when you were a little girl that um, blonde hair is better than brown hair, and let's say you have one blonde girl in your troop and all the rest are brunettes and redheads. And so unconsciously, you will give attention and responsibility to the blonde haired little girl and ignore the brunettes and redheads to some degree. What'll happen is, the brunettes and redheads are going to notice that you're giving special attention to the blonde little girl, and they will also quickly understand that what makes her different is her blonde hair. And then what will happen is they will start to lose their trust and respect for you as a leader. And so if I know that I have, again, it's not wrong to have a bias at all. Everyone has preferences. So if I prefer the blonde little girl, that's fine. But what I have to make sure is that I don't treat her differently as a result of my bias. For me, you know, I had two little girls, my own children that were Girl Scouts. My biggest challenge was not to give more attention to my girls than to the other girls, because my girls wanted more of my attention. They were having to share their mommy with other girls and they didn't always like that. But for me as a leader, I needed to make sure that the other girls felt as loved as cared for and got as much opportunity as my girls had. Sometimes I had to pull my girls aside after meetings and have a conversation with them to explain that while we're in this meeting, you're one of these eight girls. And honey, I can't give you special treatment and I won't. But when we're done, when we go home, I'm then your mommy. And I will always be your mommy and I will always give you the attention you need. So that's, those are just examples of why if you don't do your work on implicit bias, you will act out on that implicit bias and it will harm the girls. And, and you don't ever want to do that. I think you gave a really good explanation to help people understand that better. And I like that you said, everybody has bias. It's not anything to be ashamed and of. Um, yes, exactly. but the, the leaders do need to, you know, know that they have it and then learn how to manage it. So those are really great tips for the, the true leaders. Thank you. Thanks. So over the years that you've been part of GSWO, how have you seen diversity change? Well, first of all, I've actually seen a lot of change in terms of the, you know, racial, ethnic, 
um, diversity within the office itself and also just uh, within the representation of the girls um, that are part of this and the leaders, right, the volunteers. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that Girl Scouts, that our board has been very intentional to have con difficult conversations, again, especially related to race. Um, I've been on the board now for about three years. And so I've been on, the, I joined the board literally a month after George Floyd was killed. Oh and so that was, that became kind of a lightning rod and the board responded to that. And frankly, the leadership, Ronnie, you know, who was our um, executive director at the time was very, very open to, um, to allowing the board to go that way. Our board is extremely diverse mm -hmm. in, in, lots of different ways, including gender. We have two members of our board that are men, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I think that we've, we've paid more attention. I think the Girl Scouts has always paid attention to diversity. I think we're paying more attention to inclusion and belonging, much more so uh, since I started being on the board. But I'll tell you, one of the reasons I'm so proud of this organization is I think it's always been above average in terms of focusing on diversity and the importance of inclusion. So for our troop leaders who already know the basics, um, what is one way that they can take it a step further? So that's a good question. That's a hard question. Um, my, I guess there are many different ways you could go about it. I would say that one of the easiest and best ways to do it is to read and to expose yourself to as many differences as you can um, by reading books, by um, going to movies, by um, going to cultural experiences and events, and, um, and by surrounding yourself with as much diversity as you can get, um, and then listening to the, those folks and, and paying attention to what your feelings are, you know, as you read books and watch movies and that kind of thing. You know, I've been doing diversity work in one form or fashion since 1987. So if I do my math correctly, that's about 36 years. So it's been a long time. I grow and learn every single day. I learn new things. I learn new biases that I have every single day. Um, and so what I know is that you will always be able to take this work a step further, always. There's always more to learn. There's always more you can do. Um, and you might want to even pace yourself because this is going to be a lifelong learning process. Um, but if you're interested, there's some amazing books. In fact, our, our Patrice and I led a, uh, a um, group, a book group within the board. And we read several different books and watched a couple of podcasts and then came back and discussed them. So she probably will have some great recommendations on some books for you to read. So I have just one more question for you then. Um, what's your best piece of advice for a volunteer surrounding diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Um, you know what? I'm gonna circle back to your question around implicit bias because I really do believe that everything stems from that. Um, what I would say is know yourself, do a really honest assessment of your bias. And, and you don't have to beat yourself up when you find it. It doesn't matter what you find. It, um, you know, you're, you're normal. That's all I can say is 
because I, I remember when I first started doing this work on myself and thinking, oh, I'm a bad person because I have this racial bias or, you know, I have a preference for this or that. And now that I'm so much older, what I realize is it, that none of that mattered. What mattered is that I figured out what it was. And then I sat on a course of trying to figure out whether the bias was actually factual. And what I found out was that most of the bias that I carried was not was not true. It was not factual. And that most of the people that I met and got to know very well, they didn't share any of the characteristics that were in my bias. And so in terms of volunteers, just get to know yourself and what your biases are, and then make sure they're not impacting how you work with each other as volunteers, with the Girl Scout office, and also most importantly with the girls. Um, if you, I will guarantee you that if you bring the same level of of compassion and care and um, and openness and openness to differences and, and avoid judging um, for any reason, every single girl will find a safe place with you. And that's our job, I think, as leaders, is to be safe places for girls um, where they can trust, they can be their authentic selves, they can ask our advice, and they can know that we're really, that we care about them and that we're, we're really there to help them grow. Um, so to me, that's what it all boils down to is get to know what your bias is and then commit to managing it. I think that's really good. Um important, like you said, to do. And I think it takes us back to even our, our Girl Scout model, because we have our, our GS Girl Scout leadership experience model. And then we have, yeah. you know, we want girls to participate in a variety of activities and have healthy relationships with their volunteers. And like you said, in order to have a healthy relationship, they need to be able to identify their implicit bias. Um, and exactly. that's what girls need in um, being part of this organization. So can you tell me a little bit more about your business, Inclusity? So inclusivity is, we actually trademark the name. It's the first five letters of the word inclusion. Okay. So I-N-C-L-U and the last four letters of the word diversity. Oh. So S-I-T-Y. And our belief is that with if you don't lead out with inclusion, diversity will never follow. So it's lead with diversity. I mean, lead with inclusion and diversity will follow. But if you lead with, in, with diversity, you'll just get a diversion. That's, that's great. Um, also, if anybody wants to learn more information about your organization, do you have a website oh, yeah. that they could go visit? Absolutely. It's www.inclusity.com. Before we finish up today, I'd like to share GSWO's diversity, equity, and inclusion statement. Honor, honor, every person, every voice. Juliet Gordon-Lowe founded Girl Scouts over 100 years ago as an innovative movement where all would be welcomed. We continuously strive to build a diverse, equitable, and inclusive organization that supports the many faces, cultures, and walks of life that proudly make up our vibrant community. It is essential to our mission that every individual's ideas and perspectives are sought out, heard, respected, and valued. Together, we empower girls to make the world a better place. Maria, thank you so much for being our guest today and talking to us about such an important topic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jennifer. This has been fun. I've really appreciated the chance to talk about one of my favorite subjects, actually, or two of my favorite subjects. You put diversity, inclusion, and Girl Scouts together, and I'm a happy camper.
Up next, we hope you're able to join us for part two of the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging podcast as Julia Koenig interviews another one of our board members, Patrice Borders.